Hello and welcome to the Pro Detailer podcast. Today we are doing a world first. Well, it's a Pro Detailer first, really. We have taken all of our podcasting kit and we have gone via aeroplane on a very stressful journey, as to be said, on a Sunday afternoon, and we've brought everything to Italy. And you might be thinking, why have you done that in November? Because it's cold and rainy in Milan in, in November. But actually, we've done it because it's we... Fair, it's cold and rainy in England in November as well. Well, it's not. I've been sent photos from the missus. They're, 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 it, it's a lovely day. Um, but we are here and we are basically Pro Door Detailer on tour. And we are in the Rupes Training Centre Extraordinaire uh, at their kind of new, well, their HQ. I say new, it's been 21 years, but at the training centre uh, in somewhere called Magenta. Magenta? I think the right location is Vermezzo. Vermezzo, and that's that's very different. Close to Milan. (laughs) Close to Milan, so basically top of Italy. It's very pretty. Um, And we are joined here by Mr. Francesco. Now, could you introduce yourself, sir? Okay. Hi, everyone. I'm Francesco Ginocchio. I'm a marketing, global marketing manager for uh, Rupes. And uh, so I take care about uh, all the marketing activities uh, at the global level uh, for our company to promote uh, everything, all our products, uh, accessories, uh, the name, the brand, uh, everything. Lives in marketing. It's, it's very exciting to meet you as well because we've, I mean, I've seen all the marketing collateral over the years from the magazine point of view. So to find the man who's created it all, he's a bit, bit of a celeb, guys, bit of a celeb. Um, so what I wanted to do is kind of look at Rupes. I mean, Rupes in the UK exploded in, I think, 2010, 2011 with Bigfoot. And before then, nobody outside of body shops had really heard of Rupes, I'm afraid. But when the Bigfoot came, it was it was the hot property. It was sort of Carnalba, it was ceramic, but it was it was that kind of keyword, that buzzword. And we had lots of, um, you know, detailers getting the, the Rupes machines and the Bigfoots were flying off and it was a huge sort of success. Um, what was it like from your point of view? Because you joined before Bigfoot, didn't you? Uh, actually, I joined Rupes, uh, Rupes uh, when we just we started with the Bigfoot. So I started everything since the beginning. And when I joined Rupes, I just consider that uh, Rupes didn't even have a Facebook page, a YouTube channel, uh, no social network. So just as they made the just traditional market. When I joined Rupes, uh, to start to promote, to promote the Bigfoot system, I open a Facebook page, all other social channels, and I just by myself, I started to go to surf on uh, through all the social media to see what's 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 going on, mm-hmm. just to see the market, to know. And by case, we discover this word detailing. <laughs> Actually, because in Italy we didn't even know what the detailing was, and just uh, looking my marketing research, uh, we found the detailing. What detailing is? So just uh, uh, let's try to go through this word. What's uh, with this market? And uh, so everything started. Everything started just a few months, uh, one year after the intro- introduction of uh, the Bigfoot system. That's why we started to develop the uh, Bigfoot 15. Yeah. Because we started with the 21, then uh, the, the 15 uh, came out of when we started to deal with this new market for us. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know the 21 was first. Yeah. I, I just assumed the 21 was the development of the 15. 
No, actually, I'm yes. guessing deja vu. We've talked about how that, and we, we knew that the 21 was first. We might have, but I don't listen to what you say. No, well, that's fair enough, but I'm getting deja vu Which on that goes too. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> interesting man talking about interesting things. You talk about Subarus and stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm a kind of exciting guy like that. Because, of course, the Beefit was supposed to be for just for the car body shop market. Yeah, So uh, just for the body shop. And then, as I told you, we discovered the detail, the detail market <laughs> by case. It's like and opening a box and going, ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, all these strange people. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very nice discovery because yeah. uh, we made a big success, a blast in that yeah. market. And yeah, I mean, it's been amazing. So when you first started the, when, well, when Bigfoot first kind of, I keep on using this word exploded, which is probably a bad idea, but when it, when it first became very popular, what was the strongest market for it? Because in, in Italy, detailing is, it, it obviously exists, but it's not a, not a big part of the market. Whereas in the UK, in Germany, in the USA, detailing is a much kind of bigger deal. Um, did you find that, I mean, speaking obviously as a, as a UK magazine, did you find that the UK market was a, was a particularly big one or, or what was your experience? Yes, actually, uh, UK market, uh, US market uh, and uh, some Asian countries, uh, yes, uh, they, was, they were our main market at the beginning. Yes, and, and now you, um, I can't remember, when did Rupes Incorporated appear? Because you've got like a whole separate US kind of empire as well because it's such a big market. Um, and I believe you're doing some manufacturing and things over in, in the USA as well? Yeah, so we, uh, a few years ago, we acquired uh, a company named Cyclo, the producer of uh, these uh, the, two-head machines. The twin-head yes, machine, right. yeah. I have I, one. <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> and so we established uh, a headquarter in the US, and after a while, we started also the production of uh, our Bigfoot machines. So just uh, uh, we acquired the cycle because it was located in a strategic logistic uh, part of the US. And, uh, Whereabouts is it? It's in, um, close to Denver, in Colorado. Okay, oh. I thought it was going to be Boise because everywhere else in America, <laughs> any, any manufacturing is in Boise. You go from rag company out there, you yeah. like country out there, and they're, they're, they're all centered around this one little yeah, detailing one, complex. It's like a triangle, isn't it? Yes. Like a Bermuda Triangle of of of, <laughs> of machine companies. Um, and uh, in the US, are the machines that are made in the US are they just for the US domestic market, or are they re-exported around the world? No, uh, at the moment for the US domestic market. Yes. Mm. Uh, and I imagine that's just because you've got so many customers in America that it's more cost efficient to make them in America and then send them and tax, I imagine, is a bit Yeah, uh, Absolutely. Mainly because they wanted to offer a uh, much better service. Yes, yeah. to have everything available on uh, the local market uh, just to supply uh, all our distributors in a very short time that mm. was the uh, main point. So it's not just machines, is it? It's You make all the pads out there as well and the compounds? Now, probably you have seen a recent video that we are uh, setting up a manufacturing plant in Houston, yes, in, in Texas, Texas uh, and we'll uh, start the production of uh, pads at the moment and uh, then the compounds. So how are you finding it transferring? Because obviously, you, you know, you're a long-established Italian company and manufacturing. Italy is a massive manufacturer. People don't realize this. So if you say, what's the biggest manufacturer in Europe? And everybody says Germany. Correctly. But Italy, I think, is probably number two. Definitely, definitely uh, if you go by... So the northern half of the country, there's a lot of manufacturing up north. Yeah, yes, right. especially yeah. in north of Italy, yes. Yeah, it rather embarrasses... Very, very similar it, to the UK. 
Well, there is that, but I think they're much bigger than the UK in terms of overall manufacturing capacity, I suspect, mm -hmm. because we're so service-based. Um, but it's just, do you find transferring your way of manufacturing things over to the USA, has that been a, a challenge? Has that been quite difficult because they've got different culture there? No, no, no difficulty. Difficulties. Uh, actually, no, they started since the beginning in a perfect way. Uh, actually, we just give to them instruction how to assemble our machine. Uh, you know, Americans are for the organization point of view, they are very, very strict. So they have a perfect organization. Everything was very easy to set up everything in a very good way. Mm -hmm. And I was hearing, I was talking to... It was Ram we were talking to, wasn't it? He was trying to yeah. set up Ram from Colorlock. He was saying about how over there it's... Um, it's a lot more about the the wages and how the benefits and everything like that are organised that make it such a challenge for European companies to set up new operations yeah, very in expensive. America. Very expensive for people to start up. And it's almost... That's why so many European companies tend to just export out and and mail out from there. Have you have you had any issues with just the, the organisation side of it? Or has that no, been I've, fairly yeah. fluid? Have you got an Absolutely, American in yes. charge or an Italian in charge out there? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, because as well, because of the people. So uh, yeah. we are very smart people. Uh, so everything was uh, very easy. Also, thanks to them. So cool. cool. Well, it does help having a good team wherever you're at. We probably I wouldn't, would I wouldn't know. Yeah, I'm about to say. That. Um, and um, so let's sort of twinkle. Have you got a twinkle sound effect? I, I'll have to. I'll have to. I'll okay, just stop that, that halfway through. Yeah, I about to say that was pretty poor. But <laughs> um, we go back into the beginning of time uh, and 1947. Sorry, he's very slow on the uptake sometimes. <laughs> um, so 1947, the beginning of Rupes. Obviously, you weren't involved then because you are, what, 35 years old or so? Uh, okay, it's uh, almost almost fifty. <laughs> Don't worry, you can pay me later. I've got a sound um, effect for that as well. <laughs> 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 um, but uh, what? It, it's a privately owned company, so it's a family-run company. Exactly. Yes. Um, which is a big is a big plus. I mean, there are a lot of companies in, in now in the bigger bigger companies in, in our industry which have PLCs with shareholders and stuff like that. But you still have the family running it at the very top. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, we are very lucky because uh, our uh, president, uh, Mr. Valentini, Mr. Guido Valentini, who is uh, also the owner and the president of our company, he's uh, very, uh, I can say that he's a sort of uh, Steve Jobs uh, of the tools because uh, he has a very very long vision in the future, so he thinks uh, everything about, about everything in advance, uh, so actually Bigfoot was uh, his own idea, and so... So he's a big picture kind of guy. Absolutely. He can see the big pictures. He can see 20 years in advance. So wow. thanks to him that uh, this company has always been successful along mm. these years. And um, I don't want to put on you straight away like a requirement for figures, but roughly how many people work here? Around uh, 150 people, plus, including yeah. people from the production. Yeah, and, and all the sales managers. Cool. We've gone. We've done a little factory tour so far of where the uh, machines are made, and we've done um, some kind of cool videos actually of, of actual assembly of, of Bigfoots and stuff. Um, and I believe we are going to be going and having a look at another facility uh, later on this afternoon, and then tomorrow we're off to see a detail and all sorts of bits and bobs. So keep your eyes on the next issue for a big rundown of that one. Um, but uh, now an interesting topic here. 
So historically, in the body shop, particularly pneumatic tools win. And electric tools were not so keen. Detailing has been the other way around. Detailers, on the whole, detailers use electric tools and some use pneumatic tools for sanders particularly. Uh, However, what we're seeing is a sort of a change in that. And I believe, because Rupes has got different, what would you call them, different divisions for dealing with pneumatic or electric and different tools like that. And it's almost a competition, I feel, the the feeling I get. Yes, actually... It depends also country by country and also market by market. So uh, some countries, uh, they prefer the electric tools, as maybe because of the cost of electricity. Mm-hmm. And uh, some other countries, uh, they prefer uh, pneumatic tools. So it depends. So we cannot say that uh, in some market, uh, they prefer electrics uh, versus pneumatics, but depends also maybe by the country and uh, some other reasons. Yes, in detailing, uh, actually, I see that they still prefer electric tools and now battery tools. Mm-hmm. So. And and uh, you think there is, I suspect there's going to be change. Do you think that, that balance between pneumatic and electric is changing in certain markets? I can say that now, actually, pneumatic tools uh, are slowing down because of the entrance in the market of the brushless tools. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, they are probably taking the place of the pneumatic tools because they are very light, very comfortable to use, uh, very ergonomic. So the people, uh, especially in carbon shop market, they are going to prefer the brushless tools uh, instead of the pneumatic ones. Yes, and that I think answers another question, which was, what's the biggest step change in in electric tools? And the brushless motor yes, absolutely. allows, I mean, it, it's efficiency, it's speed, it's it's how it's so much easier to run at higher RPM and all sorts of other bits of information on it. It's fascinating yes, tech. Right. Um, so, international expansion. Now, before Bigfoot, you were already an international company sending out to an international market. Yes, not so international because uh, I guess the turnover was uh, before the Bigfoot. So just uh, when we started to introduce the Bigfoot, uh, the market was seventy uh, percent uh, Italian market and the rest uh, international. Now the percentage is the opposite. Yeah. Now we are twenty, thirty percent turnover from the Italian from the Italian market and the rest are from uh, international markets. International market. So yes. a real, I mean, from an export point of view, you're one of the big, big powerhouses of Italian export, you know, yeah. expertise. It's, it's very cool. Um, are you seeing? Um, I mean, obviously, markets kind of develop and grow in in order. So the UK perhaps is an early adopter for new machines and stuff like that. But you were saying how countries in the Far East were. Um, also early to take up the Bigfoot. You had America. Yes, right. that. Are you finding more countries are kind of coming online? What new markets are you kind of exploring? What, where are you finding the biggest growth at the moment? Uh, oh, actually, along the years, yes, uh, countries like um, Eastern Europe, uh, some other countries, Latin America, mm-hmm. uh, but at the early beginning, uh, just uh, UK, US, uh, and uh, in Asia, particularly Singapore, Thailand, uh, uh, yes, these two countries uh, mainly. Yes, I mean, and the funny thing is that uh, I discovered them 
on Facebook. And yeah. uh, I opened distributors uh, on Facebook. <laughs> they <laughs> send me orders for machine through Facebook Messenger. Wow. Was, okay, maybe I can accept, formally accept your order through Messenger. Please send, at least send me an email. But I mean, it working that way. Uh, yeah. Through social networks, they really help us to expand our business in the detailing market. I get the feeling that um, prior to your arrival, uh, you know, an established Italian business like it would in, in the UK or anything like that. You have a very regimented system. So we've dealt with some old English car care companies and uh, the ordering process and, and getting onto their systems and all the paperwork that fills out. It's very archaic. But, yeah. you know, and the idea of them accepting a Facebook order is just, I'm, I mean, one of them isn't even on Facebook. And they've you been around to, for you have to years. print out the Facebook message first and then post it to them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Send it up to Stoke-on-Trent. Um, <laughs> But um, at the same time, though, it sounds like when you came here, you were embracing all this new technology, all these social medias and stuff like that. And, and I get the feeling you might have been responsible for sort of pulling, pulling Rupes into that kind of modern, you know, communication system. Yeah, so, uh, right. But it was fun. Actually, I spent at the beginning uh, days and nights just uh, because, you know, during the night... Uh, America, America. <laughs> Americans yeah. during the day in the other countries and uh, I start to know people, meet people, virtually meet people, uh, chat with people uh, from uh, all the globe uh, during the night uh, with uh, 10 chats uh, open at the same time <laughs> chatting with people because I was new in that market so I wanted to know everyone and it was a good way to start uh, to know people in this business uh, because actually they live on socials. Yeah. Uh, so it was uh, the only way to know people from the detailing market. Yeah. So to interact with them, to get them knowing our system, to make as a friends. At the long years, I met them in real during some car show, mm -hmm. and it was a real fun actually. Yeah. No, it's cool. And and also, it is a weird feeling when you you feel like you know somebody because you've been on video conference, and then after five years, you end up meeting them in the flesh. And it's bizarre. It's like I'm sure you should be taller. <laughs> um, so um, now I think we'll. Um, take a little break and then we're going to be back shortly and we'll have some more questions and then we're going to go through our 10, 10 quick fire round which is okay. never quick fire um, and uh, we'll, we'll find out more about yourself If you haven't already purchased your copy you can get issue 14 now at prodetailermagazine.com and if you fancy any of the back issues as well Pro Detailer Magazine is available as a mega pack that includes everything from issue 5 up until issue 14, all for one price and we can ship around the world. And we're back. We are obviously still at the Rupes Training Centre in, well, very close to Milan. And uh, we're joined here by Francesco. And we want to talk now about the, uh, well, a couple of things, but the first is the Hybrid Nano. Yeah. And so I remember we were at a fair, I think it was at the NEC at a trade show, and we saw the hybrid for the first time and we took a little mobile phone video and it, it, it went off. You know, it was very, very popular. Loads of people wanted it and everybody was talking about the hybrid for a bit. Uh, and since then, the hybrid has been copied by hundreds of companies all over the place. They will come over from we know. China. Unfortunately, yes. we know. <laughs> it must be very frustrating. Yes. Imagine yes. how Henry Ford feels. Um, and uh, well, you, what was interesting is you were saying that the hybrid was um, 
it was a solution. You, you, you were relating it almost to seeing on social media what detailers were struggling to find. Right, that's right, because uh, just uh, watching what was happening in the market uh, through the social media, uh, also some, I got some direct request about uh, why don't you develop something small to work on small spots uh, and because uh, actually there was no solution to work in small parts uh, to make detailing of uh, all the small parts in the car so of course we had a sort of solution because we have a, a pneumatic machine a very small pneumatic machine but the pneumatic machine the rpn were too high so it was not the, the Easiest way to work uh, in the um, with that machine to for some paint correction. So we started to think about uh, something different, uh, small, uh, battery powered, uh, but not battery because actually it's, uh, we're talking about hybrid machine. So both battery and, uh, uh, and mains power. Yes, right. And so that uh, so we started to develop this machine because of uh, this market request. So because. Uh, that was something that uh, detailers needed and actually it had a very big success in the market. Yeah, it really did take it by, by storm. And even now there is still, uh, apart from the, the Chinese copies and stuff, there is not a machine as small and agile as the hybrid. So the, and this is again a misconception, a lot of people when the hybrid came out said, oh, it's not very powerful, but it doesn't need to be very powerful because the idea is it is small and precise. It's like a, a, a dentist's drill when he's going into your mouth. You don't want him to be sitting there with a massive great Makita at 5,000 RPM. You need something small and delicate. That's right, that's right. Uh, of course, uh, you need it to work uh, into very small details. Uh, you don't need a very such big power. It works perfectly. Uh, Actually, it has a very good, uh, very high power because if you press the machine, it still works. Uh, so mm -hmm. it's it's a feeling that uh, it seems that it hasn't enough power, but actually it has. It's fit, yeah, it has the power for what it needs to do, and that's absolutely that is the key to it. And I, I kind of want to take this actually more on to the machine design. So the two big players in detailing for for machines, certainly in the UK market, should we say, or the mainstream top end machines is Rupes and Flex. And we've been around the Flex factory in Germany. And uh, it was it's remarkable how many things are similar and how many things are different at the, the different places. But um, with the German machines, you get the feeling it's very, well, it's very German, whereas, you know, uh, everything You sound is, disappointed when you say this. Are the Germans, they are so German. It's, well, it's, it's normal. They're allowed to be. Yeah, no, and, 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 and the better for it sometimes. If they, were, if, if, if they were French and they were too German, then there's a problem. <laughs> but. However, but the point I'm getting at is that, for example, um, the Bigfoot has the carbon fibre effect, what I call the toe. I don't know if it is the toe, possibly the nose. What would you call it? I call, I call it the duck's ass. The duck's ass. Yeah, because it looks at the back of a duck. Okay. What, what's the official name of the bit you hold with the carbon fibre on? I can, I can say it in <laughs> Italian, but uh, you have to say that in English. No, you, 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 you say it in Italian and I will embarrass myself. Can I? Uh, just, uh, the Shut up. The just the front cover, that's the, all. Uh, the front cover. The front cover. I bet it yeah. sounds sexier the in handle. Italian. Front, yeah. front handle, maybe. Front handle. Front handle. You're right, that sound better in Italian. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so, but my point is that you would, from Flex, would never put carbon fiber on the front of the machine that isn't carbon fiber, you know, unless it was actually there for a need. But you were like, no, we want these machines to look cool. And there is something, I, I've got to be careful how far I go here. But if you have an LHR 15, particularly the if Mark you start III, saying a machine polish looks sexual, then we are stopping the podcast now. 
we're not going to go down this route of questioning. Okay. Well, I just, <laughs> it's curvy. It's curvaceous. And I, I don't know, there is elegance, but aside, you know, not saying one machine is better than the other, but in, 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 there feels like there is a more creative design. There is more Italian passion in the machines that you put together. And it feels like, because, you know, obviously you're head of marketing, so you're head of the kind of how, how the company looks to everybody else. And I do get the feeling that the products, at some point in the design and development process, one of the machines is put on a table in front of lots of Italians and they decide whether it is good enough. Not not whether it works well enough, not whether it's the right price, but just if it looks right. Am I completely wrong? No, no, that's correct because uh, we usually we take care about the design of our machines, about the aesthetical layout. So, of course, it's a very important part of um, our uh, development process of course so first thing is uh, okay machine must work perfectly works yes. must be efficient uh, all the technical stuff must work uh, very well of course uh, blah, blah, blah. but also the design is uh, a very important point because then when you put the machine on the catalog on the web uh, that's the design that people see Mm. So that's uh, why it's very important. It's because it's important that uh, the machine, in that way, can uh, market itself just with the design. It's more desirable, I suppose. Like a nice car. It's very, yeah. it's very much like Alfa Romeo, except that when they the, the Alfa Romeos are beautiful cars, but they forgot that first step in the process that, that no, where, where, they, rude, where they where they designed. I've I've owned Alfa Romeos before, and they are fantastic cars to sit in as long as you want to sit on the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> and wait. <laughs> it's a real shame. Well, we've got to be careful because Francesco, we'll, we'll get onto his car at the moment, but I've already asked him about well. his recovery service and it's not an Alfa Romeo. Yeah. Um, but, and, and the other thing, I see it in everything, Rupert. So, for example, I, I am a lot of the time up when I'm putting them, the kind of getting the images ready for the magazine and stuff like that, um, I'll go onto manufacturer websites. And on a lot of them, you've got a straightforward, so again, on the flex, they've got perfect images of it, side on, top on and they've got a nice schematic and, and the things, and it's all very technical. With When you're releasing a new machine and, and the early publicity photos, they are always sort of shadowy and moody, and you feel like it's a, an advert for a fancy perfume or or some sort of, you know, I don't know, high-class sort of London service. Yeah, some, uh, we, we, li <laughs> we like nice pictures. We like it because uh, when we... Uh, introduce a new machine. We always organize a photo session with a professional photographer just to take very nice, fancy, cool pictures. Mm. Because, of course, from one side we have uh, the classic uh, picture for the catalogs with the white background. Yeah, uh, the technical, boring technical picture. Yes, yeah. some boring pictures. But I like uh, this picture with a black background, uh, with the reflection. Uh, so that's something that uh, people like, uh, for sure. When you see this kind of picture, social they make a blast of course as they get virals and uh, it, uh, so. it's that when you say like when you're doing product reveals you reveal a little tiny photo and it's like oh something special is coming for me that's very irritating because i then have to extrapolate what the rest of the machine is going to look <laughs> like but no it's it's a nice it's a nice touch really um and another thing that is is kind of cool is you've got these detailing centers which we've briefly alluded to already but uh i was thinking actually people listening to this might be interested to learn what they're about what uh, is a kind of criteria to become a Rupes detailing centre um, and what your kind of long-term goal is because essentially the idea, and correct me if I'm wrong, the idea is to create um, centres around the world and you already have 
a lot of these appearing. You're saying new ones in India, and obviously there are ones in, in the US. Yeah, right. Two in the UK, I believe. Um, that are kind of almost like a franchised car dealer. So if you go to a, a, an Alfa Romeo dealership, everything is Alfa Romeo. Um, and to have that consistency, which a lot of places they don't have, you know, you might have one sign on the wall, but from what I can interpret is that you need to have the right color. You have to paint the walls the right color. You have to have the right logos. You, you, it's got to be, you know, tell me what the, the grand plan is with the repair centers. Okay, the main idea is uh, to have uh, these detailing centers all around the world where people can be sure to have uh, the same service, the same high quality service, uh, the same detailing services uh, worldwide, uh, the same way at the same high level, mm -hmm. the same quality. So that's the main, the main idea. Then we offer this solution to people who want to start uh, a new detailing business or for some people who already has a detailing business but they want to improve and to make that under uh, a brand, a well-recognized brand like Bigfoot. And as you said, uh, you are correct. We ask uh, for some very simple gu guidelines. So you mean black walls, uh, same sign, uh, same kind of lights. Uh, so, But uh, it's not actually an our own request. These are the basics for set up a very uh, detailed studio in a very good way because uh, we have uh, discovered in our research that to have uh, black holes and spotlights, uh, uh, you can highlight uh, you can see all the defects. The yeah. Okay. Instead, uh, you can see some studios that uh, they have uh, all white. <laughs> and uh, hex with a, yeah. In a very bright environment, uh, it's very difficult uh, to show up so all the defects that you have on the paint of the of a car. So that's why we ask for some special colors, special lights, uh, uh, so on. Because, uh, so if you're a detailer now in England or anywhere else in the world, and you want to become a Rupes, an official Rupes detailing center, what is the procedure? What do you need to think about in advance in terms of your skills, in terms of budget? Because I imagine there, there's quite a cost to this sort of thing. Um, and what sort of benefits do you think that the detailer, obviously the customer will get consistent service, that makes sense. It's like having a Porsche dealership all around the world. If you have a Porsche, you know they'll use genuine Porsche parts and they'll right, right. You know, go by the Porsche handbook. Um, but if you're a detailer, what do you, you know, who are you looking for to take on the these, these sort of uh, these centers? Of course, uh, uh, a detailer want to start with uh, this project. Uh, if, want, if they want to join us in this project, of course, uh, they must be skilled. Mm -hmm. Because since we want to offer high quality services, uh, we need someone who is already skilled, uh, who is a very uh, already a professional detailer, but uh, who wants uh, to start the business under uh, our name, mm -hmm. under the Bigfoot name. And if uh, they want to join our project, uh, they can just send us uh, a request through our website, and then our sales, local sales manager can get in touch with them. They have to uh, check if uh, they have all the requests that we ask for, for example, the location, the position of this location, if they are very, logistically speaking, a good place, mm -hmm. if uh, they have the skill to run the detailing business, uh, if they have uh, a sort of, uh, how can I say, uh, a business-oriented mind, because uh, in that way, okay, we can offer to them support, marketing support, technical support, but they are entrepreneurs, so mm -hmm. they must be entrepreneurs because they have to promote the business 
at the local level. Yeah, they're independent. They still remain independent. Of course, like yeah. uh, it's not a real franchising, but it's like franchising. We can uh, uh, offer them all the possible support, uh, but then they have to run the business and to make uh, the promotion advertisement uh, locally and make it profitable. Yeah, yeah so make it for profitable, of course. And do they have to come in for, because obviously you've got a training center here, you've got, and this is, bear in mind, we're not talking about Rupes training centers, we're talking about Rupes detailing centers. Yes, absolutely, yes. So to be a Rupes trainer is a different different thing. Yes, different story. If, if you were a detailing center, would it make sense, I, I guess, to go to a Rupes training center for some sort of check or absolutely, test? Absolutely, absolutely. Usually we offer, uh, it depends, uh, two or three days of training here in our center, uh, just to, uh, just adjust their skill just to explain everything about our big food system usually they are already good detailers but maybe they are not aware about everything of our big food system so we have to explain everything all the details all the different tricks about our system so just to make them more comfortable with our uh, polishing system this has always been the the, the big um, selling point about the bigfoot it's not just the bigfoot it's the bigfoot system it's right. the uh, color coding right. it's the it's the everything goes together with the different pads the different compounds can you talk to us a little bit about that yeah you got the point at the beginning the idea was not just to introduce it to develop a new machine a new polisher but uh, a complete system because the machine has been designed to work in combination with the backing pad, with the pads, and with the right compounds. So uh, just one single piece alone doesn't make any sense. So we wanted to, I think Rupert was the first one, the first company to introduce a complete polishing system. Because we, and actually the results of the color matching that uh, of the lids of the pads or anything yes. like that. Yeah. So yellow pad with a yellow compound. So this uh, match color combination also uh, was something uh, very useful for the users because yeah. they didn't have to think about, okay, which compound now I have to use with this pad. So very easy. And, it, and it's not just that color code system. It's um, little innovations like the UHS compound. You're working on UHS ultra high solid paint. Yeah. Right. You have a specific compound for that. People would struggle to correct a lot of these finishes um, historically, but you did you identify that? Is that another one of these solutions that are identified from social media or? Uh, yes, there was something not from social media, but uh, how our uh, R&D manager discovered that we needed something for this uh, new generation clear cut. Mm -hmm. So that's why we introduced the UHS a uh, few years ago. Yes. But yeah. uh, of course, uh, the main idea was uh, to introduce a complete system. Yeah. And it happened a lot uh, because uh, the machine is uh, works perfectly, is well balanced uh, if it's used with uh, the right pads, uh, the right backing pads. And uh, then the compound must be suitable for that kind of uh, pads because uh, they are open cells, so they are a lot of uh, uh, parameters that uh, makes the pads working well with some special compounds. 
I mean, when I talk to detailers about it, I, I, I try to explain the, the color coding system as your baseline because ultimately you'll come across a car or a paint more specifically that needs, you need to kind of think out of the box to get there. But if you default to the, the Rupes system as your starting point, and then you can work from there if you're still struggling with the paint. And that's the way I kind of always pitch it. And it's, it is that full system because I think even Body Shop back in the day, 3M and people had color coded things, but it wasn't so contiguous. It was just they had a medium pad and they had a medium polish and you just presume it goes together. When with the uh, Rupert system, it's obviously it's tailored for the different types of paint, but it's the it, it's your kind of your starting point and a more experienced detailer. And again, this is kind of it's shortcutting some of the experience side. And I think that's a big thing about the whole Bigfoot anyway. It allowed a complete amateur to to kind of play above their station. In, in some ways because of the ability that it gave them it's in a way it's kind, kind of shortcutted a bit of the knowledge by making it easier for them yeah. to, to to find a solution and it uh, i put it this way i compare it to the mitsubishi evo which has uh four-wheel drive and clever driving aids and all sorts of bits and bobs so you can you can look like fangio <laughs> even though you're not um and and it so it makes it easier to do it and i think in the early days uh, you know that helped so many detailers get that level up and I remember talking yeah. to some and, and they were saying well you know they've kind of taken a shortcut but that's the thing is it, it lets you get to that base base level quickly so then you can really start investing your time and effort into training further and and getting the more advanced skills um, and I think it works nicely one thing I just wanted to touch on before moving on with the detailing center you said it was important that customers could get the same service anywhere in the world Yes, that's the idea. Now, does that mean that you have a uh, like a, a menu of services that they can offer, or can individual ones offer their own services at different pricing, or is it all very kind of controlled so it is consistent internationally? So about the prices, uh, we cannot set up uh, some prices uh, at the global level because uh, uh, country by country, of course, as you have different uh, prices, uh, mm -hmm. they have to offer different prices because of the local customers that yeah. can be different. Uh, so <clears throat> that's uh, something that uh, we cannot uh, we cannot yeah. tell them. But uh, um, uh, we cannot say about prices, but uh, uh, about the services, of course, <coughs> Sorry. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. They must offer at least polishing services. Yes. Of course. Uh, then uh, some of them offer also some uh, other services like uh, wrapping, uh, film protection, yeah. other kind of services. But uh, basically, they must offer polishing services for sure. Well, I suppose that makes sense with a machine polishing company. <laughs> of course. That's right. Um, and you offer, I mean, the, the Rupes, people don't realize, but the chemical range you offer is really quite expansive now. I mean, you don't have every, you've not got a full range, but there are a lot more products than people know. Um, are you looking to get to the point where a car from when it is washed to when it goes out and is ceramic coated or PPF, that there is a Rupes product for everything or... At the moment, uh, we have no plan to develop other uh, other products like uh, ceramic uh, protection uh, or uh, films and so on. <clears throat> At the moment, our focus is on uh, polishing systems, so yeah. compounds, pads, uh, tools. Uh, uh, we are uh, still working on uh, car care products, but uh, at the moment, uh, it's not our uh, core business. So Perfect. we prefer to stay focused on polishing stuff. Yes, yeah. I think there's a lot to be said for that, not spreading the resources too thin, if you yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. 
And so now we've come to the moment that everybody has been waiting for. And Francisco, I'm going to ask you our 10 quick fire questions. Asterix, okay. they're not always quick fire. Okay. I'm um, a bit scared about it. <laughs> well, so bear in mind, you're not a detailer. You run a, a multinational company's marketing department. So we're, we're going to, we're, we're, but we are going to ask all the questions we normally ask. Some of them, I suspect the answers are going to be quite easy and some of them less so. Okay. Um, so what is the current car that you drive? I have a Jaguar E-Pace. So you have an English car? Yes, I have an English car. It's fascinating, this. The number of people high up in car car, the, the guy who runs Soft 99 in Europe loves Aston Martins and Jaguars. And the, the number of Anglophiles sort of in, at the top of their game, it's bizarre why they make such mistakes despite being so, <laughs> so, so successful. Um, what is your dream car? So if you had all the money in the world and you could have any car you wanted, which make and model of car would you have? Uh, that's a very difficult question. <laughs> Actually, I think uh, Ferrari. Sure. Okay. I don't know which model, but uh, it would have to be a Ferrari. <laughs> any yeah. model would be very. For a second, I thought he was going to say Alfa Romeo, and I was going to have a very, very uncomfortable exit. <laughs> <legs. laughs> um, what was now? This is tricky. So the first car you ever detailed, what what car? Let's let's rephrase that and say. Uh, I'm guessing you have washed cars in the past and you've detailed cars and spent some time on the appearance of Very the car. Very few times. Yes, Very yes. few times. <laughs> okay, well, if anything, that makes it easier. What, what, what car have you done? What, what sticks in your memory of a car that you remember washing or detailing or machining? Uh, probably here at the Bigfoot Center. Uh, we washed the one time um, for the GT. Okay. Okay. Yes, a muscle car. Yes, yeah. it was it a 60s, 70s, or one of the newer ones? If it's a GT, so it's a new one. Was uh, yes, it was a new one. Yes, yeah. right. The 2005 car. Yeah. Yeah. What about this? Um, what about this Citroen behind us? We have the lovely Citroen DS. Yes. For, the, for the benefit of the tape, we have a Citroen DS20, which is the right Citroen DS as well, and it is. Gorgeous. What do you say with the indignation is everyone's going to disagree with that? Uh, well, I they, they either don't care or they I have they friends agree. in the Citroen yeah, Club who would... <laughs> no, I have friends in the Citroen Club who would disagree. Um, but is this this belongs to somebody, I'm guessing. Yes, uh, to our president. Yes. It's your president. So I was yes. going to have a round of applause for that. <laughs> um, but it is, it is the most beautiful car, and I've been um, getting very excited about it all day, just looking at it. Um, God, I love a Citroen DS. Anyway, um, so next question, moving on. Sorry, oh, the emotion. Um, DA or rotary? DA. DA, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yes. Um, and when you're washing a car, how many buckets do you use to wash a car? So, by manual, I should say two. <laughs> <laughs> next question. <laughs> next, move on rapidly. Um, I think this one will be easier. Porsche or Ferrari? Ferrari, of course. Absolutely. Uh, now, this is a, a more important question. Mitsubishi or Subaru? Subaru. Good. Do you have a favourite Subaru? The Impreza, yes. Mm, interesting. Well, you're still young at heart. Um, what would be your dream car? If, if you were given any car to detail, what would be your dream car to, to wash and detail and machine polish? Uh... Fiat 500, because it's small. So it's very small. Very little surface. Yeah, and not too expensive. Either. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, I've just gone through the paint on this Ferrari. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so this is an awkward question. Uh, flex or repairs? Uh, just let's think about Okay, hang on. Uh, we can take a pause if necessary. <laughs> 
Rufus. Rufus, yes, it goes without saying. Um, and so you have a Sunday morning free. You don't have to do anything with the family. You don't have to do any work. You've done all the necessary church and everything. Um, do you wash your car or do you go and drive your car? Drive. To yes. Drive my car for sure. Yes. Have we had anyone who wants to do a Sunday detail yet? No, even I don't want to do a Sunday detail because I do. You do. say even. I mean, you're the first person I know not to. I'm the last person that wants to do a Sunday <laughs> <laughs> um, So I think that brings us to the end. And thank you so much for taking the time to do a podcast with us. It's been great fun. Um, it was a pleasure. Uh, thank you. Awesome for location. <laughs> yes, it is a very cool. It might be a bit echoey, but that is because it, it, it's worth it. I, I'm, I'm happy to cope with the echoes for this cool location with ultra sexy car there. Um, so it is goodbye from me. Goodbye, also from my side. And goodbye from mine. See you later. <laughs>